Hey guys, Hello. welcome to uh, this week's Boss Bitch Podcast. Uh-huh. This week we're interviewing Chelsea White. She's amazing. She is a producer of shows you probably have heard of, like mm-hmm. MTV's Girl Code. Mm-hmm. TRL Live? How about that? How about that? Have heard of that? Total Request, request Live Live? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's right. Uh, <laughs> signing off on that. Yep. Um, but she also, uh, she is a stand-up. She uh, has her own podcast called Ghosted Stories. You can find it on iTunes. And she's also a spokesperson for the Tourette Association of America. Fantastic. We got so much info from her. She's hilarious. You're going to love it. Stay tuned. I'm not a doctor. I'm not either. <laughs> I feel I feel good too because I I was excited to have you on because I was on your podcast Ghosted Stories. Everyone, yeah, listen. I am an avid listener. It's hilarious. I was just Thanks. telling Rebecca. She said that you have a podcast called Ghosted Stories, and I said I know exactly what that is from the title, and I'm so excited to listen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, thank you. And yes, Rebecca, you're an awesome guest. And, uh, I, mean, I was not an awesome guest. You do not have to lie. Why do you say that? Because we, why, okay. you, why are you disappointing your performance? I said like every three words. Oh, it must have I been infuriating. We live in California. It's what we do. <laughs> it must have been infuriating. You get a bottle of wine in me, you guys, and suddenly I can't talk. You listen, you did great. And I'm disgusted when I edit the podcast every week on how often I am uh, like, like, you know, you know, so it's mm, fine. We're no. all we're all overcoming something. And that's just our cross to bear, Rebecca. And we'll Maybe. get through it. Also now, Miranda Hobbs, <laughs> who if listeners didn't hear our conversation before, is in heat. I'm going to walk towards her. So you Miranda hear. Hobbs is her I, cat, you, by the way. Miranda Hobbs <laughs> is my cat. I'm not holding Cynthia Nixon. <laughs> sex in, in the city. I wish. <laughs> Um, oh, she went under the bed or something. But have you guys, I've never heard a cat in heat before because we would always get our cats growing up like spayed and neutered early on. And then my vet for some reason recommended, oh, it's it's good to let them go into heat one time before you like really? tear out their uterus or ovaries or whatever they're actually doing. <laughs> a delay spay? Like, Sounds good, doc. Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, how will I know? And he's like, you'll know. And I'm like, oh, God. But yeah, she they like yowl as if they're in pain. Yeah. But it's yeah. just like I think like a mating thing and it's very confusing. My older cat Tanuki, who is neutered, thank God that was your problem. <laughs> um he's very everyone's just very confused. Yeah. And Miranda's just horny. And you know, that's what we're doing right now at she the just... at the White House. You need <laughs> to find her her Steve. The real White House. Yeah, you gotta, you, gotta Steve. you gotta find a cat named Steve who's not neutered. Oh my god! Well, my my best friend Kelly is obsessed. She's not a cat person, but she's obsessed oh with god. Miranda because Miranda's very friendly. And she's like, "Don't get her spayed. Breed her. Let's get her a cat." Dude. Yes. Like, Wait, are you talking about uh, Kelly Noonan by chance? Kelly Noonan, yes. Uh, which we should have on because she's a colorist and. It, that's also fascinating. Um, yeah, she's amazing. She colorist is amazing. She does my hair. I was. My question was colorist with the movie films or colorist with the hair, and Ooh, I would be much more into the question. hair mm-hmm. because I love to color my hair. Fascinating yeah. story. I know. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay went to cosmetology story. school. I did. Oh, no way. I yeah. did. That's I, awesome. I wouldn't consider myself a colorist. I'm more of the like friend who can access the professional stuff and knows how to use it. So if you're like, 
low on funds or in a pinch. Mm, that's bullshit. I'm your hair always now. looks awesome. <laughs> I don't do my hair though. You're, I go get my hair done. No, when I see you like in the studio, it's always like I'm in here with like God knows what. I do know how to. I do know how to use a cur- uh, a curling iron. Yeah, Not to brag. Does. She did the. She does the braid thing. You know where you like loop oh, the braids. She, like how do you do impressive. that? That's all I'm, YouTube tutorials, guys. <laughs> Oh man! See, I forget about YouTube. There's so many things there. <laughs> it's so it's, many things to learn. It, there really See is. And, feel. and makeup tutorials that I'll never do, but I'll just sit and watch for three hours <laughs> exactly. and then wonder what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I could talk about hair and makeup all day, but we should get I to mean, you, Chelsea. Yes, your wow. hair, your makeup. <laughs> And well, your life. Uh-huh, and the rest of I'm it. I'm not wearing any. Perfect. But my hair, my, Kelly, my friend Kelly just did my hair, actually. The, fa- the famous story about um, my Kelly doing my hair was that I was producing this pilot and Chili from TLC was one of the hosts. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's a whole other story. Cause, yes, please. I mean, Chili from TLC. Uh-huh. And I, like, bestied <laughs> the shit out of her. But the first thing to. she said to me was, I love your hair. And I was like, well, texting Kelly right now. And so that's <laughs> that's our story that we oh both went God. in, that Chili approved of Kelly's ombre <laughs> job. So. I know. Well, you have, like, a very signature, like, bangs ombre <laughs> It's awesome. Ooh. We'll, we'll put I it on the Instagram. It. <laughs> we'll get a big one. Can bask in your ombre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about you and like let's where you're it. from. What were you like growing up? How do you got into uh, comedy and producing, et cetera? Yes. I mean, where should I begin? It was... It was a cold October night. <laughs> October. That's right. Uh, October yeah. what? Yeah. October 9th. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. that's right. Birthday twins. That's right. Almost. Barely Almost. Birth- just about birthday twins. A day off. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I grew up in western Pennsylvania, a small town called Clarion. That's like about an hour or an hour and a half north of Pittsburgh. So when people ask me where I'm from, I mean, I just say Pittsburgh because mm-hmm. nobody knows Clarion, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Someday they will, though. <laughs> You're gonna put it on the map. Yeah. Either I'll, I'll put it Chile. on the map, or I don't know. They'll be a murder, like a mass murder. <laughs> It'll just be like one of those, yeah, like viral New York Post stories where, like, someone I don't know murder their neighbor with like a chicken. I don't know. Either one or the other. Well, oh God, um, I really hope there's a chicken murder. It's like, did this happen in Florida? No, Clarion. <laughs> <laughs> like wow they're really doing it they're really going florida up there in Western <laughs> um so yeah grew grew up there very small town i mean i guess so all around me was sort of like farm country and like very very rural um middle america but clarion we actually have a university uh, and a Walmart. I don't want to brag. Oh my god! So we were like sort of the bougie, like com- like that's how we were perceived amongst like the farming communities around us. It's like, well, like you know, she's Clarin. Clarin. like she's bougie. Like they think they're better than. They think us. they're all that. They've got a they're Walmart. They have ethnic food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So grew yeah, up just. Just hanging out there with uh with my cats, not these cats, other ones that have since passed. No, R.I.P. I'm doing the sign of the cross because <laughs> um, I grew up Catholic, which uh-huh. is also in the past. Just like R.I.P. my Catholicism and my cats growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I ended up going to college in Western Pennsylvania as well to a very 
interesting, unique college called Grove City College. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say Grove School City. of Hard Knocks and I was going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, this school, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like this could be a whole other tangent. So stop me anytime or like keep me on track. No, I, I have like, to hear about this school. Me. Yeah, we want to know okay. what you drank in college so, too, if at all, because I don't know, Catholics. Oh, well, Catholics drink a lot. Okay. Well, well, exactly. Coming from now, I do. It's all repressed and like coming out. But I feel like eventually. Oh, okay. I love it. I feel like eventually this is gonna somehow be. I don't know what as much as my calling card as cats and wine and bangs because I (laughs) I end up talking about it on almost any podcast or whatever just because you know whatever. Where did you come from? And I just like had this kind of interesting college experience. So, uh, Grove City College was a very very conservative. Uh, college and very religious just to paint the picture when I was in college from 2001 to 2005 so what was it, like 2004 was the Bush Kerry election or somewhere around that? yes yeah. and I went to the school for a number of reasons which I'll get into in a second but I was not conservative or religious. I was very liberal and agnostic and I was running all over the campus because a lot of us, most of the people didn't like have TV in their rooms or cable in their rooms. You would kind of like go to a lobby to watch TV. So I was trying to find anyone watching the election results on like not Fox news and it was not possible. And I finally found in this like weird, dark, dank, like basement lobby that no one goes to mm-hmm. a TV. I sat alone, watched the election results on CNN and obviously it was very sad. And then I look out the window and a bunch of kids are burning a cardboard cutout of John Kerry. on Whoa. the lawn. <clears throat> And I was like, well, Here I am. good night. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is my life for the next four oh, years. <laughs> That's, so that was kind of what I was dealing with. Yeah. We uh, we had to go to chapel a certain amount of times every semester and turn in a chapel card, and you were like oh. punished if you like had to write essays or something if you missed too many. We couldn't have guys and girls in, like guys and girls couldn't go to the opposite sex's dorm other than for very specific hours on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, mm-hmm. and you had to sign in and out. You had well, you had to like sign in and out and be escorted and all this stuff in the girls' mm-hmm. dorm. And the guys' you know, dorm is like a little more free for all, of course. So, but you had to leave the door open at least the width of a shoe and all <laughs> people's feet had to be on the floor. So the little uh, like rhyme was shoe in the door, feet on the floor. Oh my, oh my shoe God. In the door, feet on the floor. Jesus. Yeah. So wow. that's like worse it than was an middle school. Time. It, it was very day, daycare-ish. Uh, and then per your earlier question, it was not, it was a dry campus and also a dry town. So God damn. Why you couldn't drink. Oh. I know. Oh my God. I know. Oh my I mean, God. like, cut to now anyone knowing me now and my like wino way. Yeah. It's like, how did I live? But the reason I went to the college uh, to begin with was because at that time, I, I didn't drink until I moved to New York. I was very the opposite of my alcoholic ways now I was like super judgmental when I was in high school and like well, mm-hmm. I'm just sorry for people that have to drink to have a personality <laughs> like, you know yeah oh, so I man. was very much that girl and I didn't want to go I almost went to Penn State and I pulled out at the last minute because I was like shit I'm gonna be that girl like I didn't want that to be part of 
like if you're introducing me at a party like oh this is Chelsea like she's from Clarion she doesn't drink you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I yeah. just wanted to more like not have it be a part of my MO so at Grove City I was like at least I guess though I traded one for the other because I you know there was there was was partying going on you know whatever some kids did it but I wasn't weird for not but then I was weird for being like liberal uh, agnostic liberal and even more so the funniest thing I was more accepted for being agnostic than for when I told people I grew up Catholic that was a bigger thing to kids one of my first guy I dated asked me if Catholics believe in Jesus I was like what that's so weird oh my god so that was my college experience i am so happy you went to that small college (laughs) holy shit that's i mean i feel like that's a better story than anything that could have happened at penn yeah (laughs) right it's just like uh and then i mean whatever i probably would have started drinking or i mean who knows what would have happened but like but i did as much of all that i mean it was obviously like a unique funny anecdotal experience like I did. I made a lot of great friends and I had, I'm grateful now for the experience because we, since we didn't like party, we just did a lot of other cool random shit. You know what I mean? Like we were just, would just, I don't know, be like, let's go put on dress up and put on a parade through campus. Like, yes. why yeah. not? It's a Tuesday <laughs> night. You know, it's like, <laughs> All sorts of like that, just like random dumb shit that we would just, you know, whatever do yeah. because or make other creative projects and stuff. So yeah. it, was, it was a fun experience, but definitely uh, interesting at times. Yeah, it's so interesting. I, yeah, I, my college experience was like a wash in Everclear. Like, I don't even remember. What I, was <laughs> I think you went to a phone class. I don't know. Um, but then, Chelsea, you moved, did you move directly to New York after that? I, I did. So I, and again, please stop me because I could, uh, I mean, go in a million different tangents. But so in college, I always knew I wanted to, I'm sorry, I did not. Like, I knew I wanted to work in communication in some broad aspect. But obviously, that's like a huge, that could be a million different things. Um, And I always did and kind of, I guess, deep down inside of me think like, yeah, I'd love to perform, be like a host of some sort or like, and like make TV, but that's only for special people. Mm -hmm. Uh, not like people who grow up in whatever Aquarium, Pennsylvania. Uh, so I went to Grove city just thinking like, okay, let's be realistic. Maybe I'll just move to Pittsburgh and work in PR. Like that sounded like I like to write. I like people Mm -hmm. like that made sense to me at the time. But then when I got to Grove city, I took, they literally had like one TV production class. I took it and I was like, just I have to do this I decided to try to figure out like after that though I took like the one tv production class I'm like well fuck me Uh, (laughs) I have a communications (laughs) minor now (laughs) (laughs) exactly so I just had to find my own ways to you know learn more about the stuff I wanted to learn about which was making tv and um so I with a, a friend of mine, her name's Danica. Now she's like an Emmy award winning news uh, producer and editor in, in Virginia. Uh, so we partnered together on a lot of stuff. Like we made a full length movie together oh, and wow. for Ooh. like a extra, what's it called? Uh, you know, whatever the fuck special study. Why can't I think right now? I'm not even drinking. And that's like probably an the problem. Study? Independent study. Thank you. You're welcome. That was, that <laughs> I was, I feel like again, I'm more drunk when I don't drink. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be even cute. Yeah. My, my brain's just pickled, I think permanently. So I don't feel bad. <laughs> right. 
Okay, I'm all very sober. You. If you were here, we would be drinking. <laughs> um, True. But I'll have to bring you a bottle of wine when I come out to New York. I mean, oh yes, please do. I mean, I always welcome that. Yeah. So, did the independent study? Did it like we started a TV, um, like news station on campus because the campus didn't really have anything like that. Just did like a bunch of stuff like that. That's and awesome. In, our, in my mind, not thinking. Thank you. In my mind at the time, then not thinking strategically about it. Just being like, oh damn, I don't really feel like transferring, and I have mm-hmm. to figure this out. And then yeah, in hindsight, or like it ended up kind of accidentally being like people being like, oh, wow, you're really self-motivated. You did this. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't have a choice, really. And I was trying to escape the people like, you know, whatever, burning Catholic symbols on the quad or whatever else they do, <laughs> burning like John Kerry beside whoever else. Um, so, right. So I ended up, long story already long, there's this fellowship program um, mm-hmm. called that the International Radio and Television Society, if mm-hmm. you knew there was one, um, provides or like a nonprofit that fosters um, camaraderie amongst like different communication industries. And they have this fellowship where they bring like 20 or so kids who have just graduated to the city and give them housing and an internship. And they're just like, here you go, kids. Like, like here's your here's your start. Here's your like leg up and then mm-hmm. figure it out from there. So oh. I somehow tricked them to picking me and that no, little fellowship sure, took me to the city. Pretty sure no other kids who like 20, 21 <laughs> year olds like created their own like Exactly. <laughs> you're probably pretty uh This person's it. like, I made a stop motion short. And you're like, I created a TV station at my university. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was just doing what I had to do. A little sober Chelsea was just doing what (laughs) working night and day clear headed right yeah like oh my god there's so many hours in a day (laughs) oh man was it a culture shock being there like tell me about your first drink also god so uh, i don't remember specifically the first well okay maybe i do these are the two instances that stick out to me i do i did drink a little bit the end of my senior year i also was that person that made a point that i didn't drink on my 21st birthday like (laughs) fuck you (laughs) fuck you 21 year old um but then i started drinking like the next my senior year and i remember I vividly remember one time driving home I mean I was driving but whoever was driving us being in a car going back from the bars to campus and thinking like oh my god am I getting drunk I mean probably not like I don't know I think it was one of those psychosomatic things I'm just like do I feel slightly dizzy this is crazy like because I didn't even know what being drunk was supposed to feel like isn't that a crazy thought to think about like yeah not knowing what being drunk feels like but I remember that, and and then I mean, when I moved to New York, yeah, you know, when I when I did the fellowship and was surrounded by these other um, people who I was who were very you know motivated and whatever, and and but then also loved to get blackout drunk. I was like, oh, I was like, you guys are like smart and interesting and charismatic and like motivated, but also want to get blackout drunk. Huh? That's it. I don't know why. Mm. Up until then, I just had this thing. <laughs> like nothing happened to me. No one. Like I didn't have a bad experience drinking. Like I don't know. I just kind of my mom doesn't drink at all, so I think she a mm. little bit ingrained that in me of just like why would anybody get drunk? You know what I mean? Like, unless like, whatever. So. Yeah. That's weird. Uh, it's also like a I fear. Was, 
probably yeah. like being young oh, and completely. like completely and just thinking and once you've made absolutely. it to a certain point it's just kind of like yeah. well now why yeah, and right. then you like, get blackout drunk. You're like, "That's why." Oh yeah, you're and like, you're like Woo. <laughs> "Oh, I had fun." Oh my god, so many years <laughs> wasted. Uh, so yeah, then I started, and I, I mean, the first time I did actually like completely blackout, and also, of course, something bad happened. I was at my friend's. Uh, it must have been like our 23rd birthday party, and I had two drinks. Uh, Crystal mm. light and rum. Uh, Holy thank you. Shit. Oh, yum. That sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> bless you. Thank before, you. bless you. Thank On you. On our way up to the bar. And then um, at the bar, I had like one beer. So I don't, I mean, again, bless you. Thanks. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I guess, you know, my tolerance probably wasn't huge. So maybe it's not crazy. I'd get that drunk on three drinks, but it's also crazy. Yeah. You know, like, so, yeah, by the time I got to the bar, I have no idea what happened. If I just, like, didn't eat or if it just one of those things where it just hits you weird some nights. The next thing I remember, you know, I'm, like, at home, like, throwing up on myself. My friend who was oh, visiting yeah. was, like, trying to help me. Yeah. And I, like, lost my purse. I, like, you know, threw up in the cab, like, all this stuff. And I was, like, oh, my God. God, I can't believe like I didn't remember and I lost my purse and oh my God, see, this is what drinking does to you. But then Aww. I got over that in like 12 hours. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Back on it. I was like, it's fine. Shit happens. <laughs> That's the spirit. That's a real 20 something way of looking at it. Right? Yeah. You don't lose your purse in your 20s. Like, what are you doing? Exactly. What you are, are not like, living. Now, if you don't shatter your phone or lose your purse, I don't know what's going on. And get a weird bruise. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm still getting weird bruises as a 35-year-old. Yeah. Like, Same. What is happening? I yeah. I agree. Like a droopy eyelash. <laughs> like a droopy <laughs> eyelash. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun though. It was like fun to be there. Did you find work? Like, did they place you? Like, how did it, how do you start to like, kind of embed yourself in the community? So, yeah, they, I mean, this program, it was incredible because they just, and I'm not a paid spokesperson, mm -hmm. but if you want to apply, if you're a re or about to graduate from college and listening to this podcast, uh, the IR IRTS.org, <laughs> but yeah, they give you, we lived at um, NYU dorms on if any, for anyone listening familiar with New York City on a Third Avenue and Eleventh Street, right in the East Village. Awesome location. So, so we lived there, and we uh, all got placed at different internships depending on our interest. And there's actually relatively few people interested in TV. Other people were interested even in like sales type of things. Hmm. So. Huh. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. So I was placed at HBO in their documentary cool. film. That's I so know. cool. It was cool in terms of like saying it and getting that reaction and like the cafe, <laughs> but I literally just sat at a desk like pretending to Google things most of the time because it just so happened the documentary they were going to, well, originally, so they paired me with this director. I mean, not like I was her intern for the summer, this amazing director, Ellen Gusenberg Kent, uh, who has done so much cool stuff. And she was working on a documentary um, about like, this is how vague it was. About women. Which like sounds You're just Googling women. Have you guys heard of women? And I also don't want to make I don't want to paint her in any kind of a I don't know so weird funny. light because like she's fucking amazing and just like a kick ass feminist. But uh, you know, I think it was a combination I think it was a combination of factors where like 
you know, her and like, um, other people at HP, like really having that idea of like trying to, we, what can we do? Or like, what can we focus on that? Just, just make a documentary, like elevating women or like digging into certain things that people, whatever, what, you know? And then, but then obviously other people get their hand in the pot and it's like, well, but it shouldn't be more like this or like this. And it literally the first month I was there, people kept changing lanes so much and they couldn't decide exactly who they wanted to talk to or what it was about mm-hmm. it, it like never became more than just like vaguely about women. And she would give me <laughs> random people to like research for her. And none of them had anything in common other than just like being women. Weird. So weird. And I'm sorry I'm that sure happened to you, but I'm, like, I'm also like so <laughs> happy for this weird story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I got, I'm thinking now, like, could anyone sue, sue me for this? I don't think so. So it's fine. But like, mm-hmm. I was so, oh my God, is this what TV is? I'm just like, like pretending to like barely having enough Googling to like do like, it takes me an hour, let alone like the eight hours I'm supposed to be there. So finally they did for the last time of the last, whatever, couple weeks I was there. I went and worked on uh, another documentary about kids who were like awesome at music. So that was interesting. Like I went on a couple of shoots, but I wish it would have just been, (laughs) I wish it would have just been, I went and worked on this documentary about kids. (laughs) (laughs) I transitioned from the talk about women to talk about kids. Have you guys heard of kids? (laughs) But the thing that was awesome about the experience was so Ellen Gusenberg-Kent, she produced and directed, I believe, one or the other or both, um, this documentary that had just come out like a few months or the summer before called I Have Tourette's, but Tourette's doesn't have me. Oh. And it's little kids talking about living with Tourette, like these kids from like, you know, whatever, three or four to like nine and 10 talking about what's like to live with Tourette. And I have Tourette. And I saw the poster on her wall the first day, like in her office. And I asked her about it and she was like, Oh yeah, I just finished it. I was like, Oh my God, I have Tourette. She's like, what? No way. Here, like take it home and watch it. Like here's a DVD, watch it. And I just, I took it home that night. I watched it and I just like cried and cried and cried. Cause Mm -hmm. I never really heard not really anybody talk that openly about what it feels like to have Tourette, let alone these little, kids and up until then I had been kind of maybe not necessarily embarrassed or ashamed to have it but just not wanting to have that conversation with people you know it just felt easier to not talk about not have to explain it and just try to hide it and make excuses for it so watching these kids I was just like oh my god if these kids can talk about it so can I and that like changed course for me for I like immediately googled um, like Tourette Association. I didn't know if one existed or what. And there was a local chapter of the Tourette Association in New York City. And I've been involved ever since yeah. as a board member. So. We haven't even gotten to that point yet in your activism. I skipped ahead. I'm so sorry. No, I, we have so much to cover. It's great. We can, like, yeah, do you want to talk about a little bit your childhood with Tourette's and your activism around it? And then we'll get back yeah. to your producing and comedy and such. Yeah, totally. I mean, it just it just all dovetails together. I love so, it. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I was diagnosed with Tourette at about, like, four years old, and then a few years later diagnosed with OCD, and I, you know, don't necessarily remember at the very beginning, I mean, because I was, I started having tics as early as, like, two-ish or so, 
And I just, my, so my mom tells me I was just like squeezing my fingers and my toes and my eyes shut really tight all the time Mm. and kind of doing some like arm jerking motions or like head jerking motions. Um, so she started taking me to doctors. I was always like going to, I mean, I say always in my head, it felt like it felt like every day for like 10 years because you're a kid. Right. But, you know, I'm sure it was like five times over the course of two years or something. But, um, yeah, luckily we're close to Pit, uh, Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh, which is an amazing um, hospital. So I was, would go there periodically for like blood tests and evaluations. And they'd, you know, stick like those little probe thingy, like suction cup thingies to your head and your heart and just mm-hmm. like try to figure out, is it a neurological thing or like, a you know, what, or is it just like habitual? Is it whatever? So I was misdiagnosed with epilepsy originally it was oh, on like wow. pretty serious mm, yeah. medication. Um, oh, and God. so I was obviously getting worse. My mom's like, mm, I don't think this yeah. is right. And then I went to a couple more doctors and finally it's one of those things where like, it, it just took the one doctor who was familiar with it to be like, Oh, this child has threat. You know, let me tell you, tell you about it. Let me tell you where your options are. Whereas I mean, there's so many fucking things that can be wrong with you. I don't like mm-hmm. not every doctor can know you know what I mean like it just that's why it's like great to get second and third opinions because you just there's so many nuanced things and Tourette manifests itself so differently in different people like not any two people like have the same tics in the same way and you know so it's sort of it's uh it's hard to diagnose and it is often misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed yeah so finally I got the diagnosis of Tourette and um fortunately it was never you know, I was always kind of like medium on the scale. It was never super severe, fortunately. I mean, it's on a spectrum, just like, you know, lots of different disorders. And well, this particular Tourette is a neurological disorder. So just like, you know, it's in the same family of like autism um, and OCD, executive dysfunction, sensory disorders, you know, it's all kind of part of the same cloud of like neurological disorders, like chemical imbalances. So, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, just kind of, since I never felt completely out of control with it, I never took medication. I did go to like some cognitive behavioral therapy for a while. And I always felt like, I didn't know how much it was doing, but then I guess, which brings me to the other, the misconception about Tourette is that it's like completely involuntary. Mm-hmm. And I would say, cause I never want to speak for like someone else's experience, of course, because I'm sure it feels completely differently to have Tourette on at the severe end of the spectrum for me being kind of more on like the moderate and like yeah. part and of the spectrum. Look like? like when you say moderate, like what is your experience with it? Yeah. So, so I have, I guess maybe like I've had anywhere from maybe like 50 ish, ticks at different times throughout my life and sometimes I can have 20 that are going on and rotating at a time maybe sometimes less maybe sometimes more they come and they go like sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll just start a tick again that maybe I haven't done for five or six years and they'll kind of like come and go and it also waxes and wanes so Mm -hmm. it can be worse if I'm stressed or if I'm tired or and then it can be whatever better maybe if I'm taking better care of myself and sometimes it kind of spikes and peaks and valleys for no reason that I can discern you know Mm, so so interesting it's very it is and like it's also you know kind of frustrating because admittedly though 
I definitely have always been the type of person, like, I'm pretty impatient, I guess, in the way of not just things with my Tourette, but even, I don't know, like, if I take something for a stuffy nose, and it doesn't help within 30 minutes, I'm like, ugh, right. this is garbage, <laughs> like, I'm just very like, well, this is never working, I can't give anything, like, time to work. Uh-huh. So I'm sure if I did really, and if I ever really was feeling like my chat was impeding on my life in a, in a terrible way, um, I'm sure I would probably look more closely at the different patterns and like, is it, is it sleep? Is it drinking? Is it sugar? You know, cause everybody kind of has different things that work for them, um, to kind of ease it and to kind of help it. But yeah, so I have ticks from like the way Tourette is diagnosed, um, is, it's still in a way is like a nebulous definition, but it's um, when someone has both motor and vocal tics. So like movement and also like vocalizations um, and enough to where it's in some way, shape or form, I guess, impeding on your life, even if it's not in the super negative way, like, Oh God, I can't live my life. But just, you know, you're taking time out of your day to like do these ticks. So that's why mm-hmm. it's kind of like a nebulous definition. And there are just tick disorders with just the appearance of like one type of tick or the other, or if you only have like two or three as opposed to 30 or 40. Um, and yeah, mine manifest themselves in like, <laughs> Oh no. Bless oh, you. Thank you. Sorry guys. See if I were, <laughs> if I were an ignorant person who didn't know about Tourette, I would say, Oh my God, you can't stop sneezing and yelling. Do you have mm-hmm. Tourette? Which is obviously the stereotype of it, that yeah, it is totally. right. just like making crazy noises or sounds are obviously like swearing is the big major stereotype of Mm -hmm. having Tourette, right? That like you can't stop swearing or like saying crazy things. Right. Um, And that is, again, like not to discredit that or it it is like about 10% or less of people with Tourette have what's called coparelia, which is the swearing tick. Um, But since it's so few people and since that is, you know, it's kind of become... And again, I always feel like I want to be sensitive when I talk about it because it's not to say it's like people that have coparelia, obviously, I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to kind of, to kind of live with and to, to integrate with people and be dealing with that. Um, so we don't want to say like, stop it. That's not what Tourette is. It is Mm -hmm. for a very small percentage of people, you know, and that's not all it is. And it manifests itself in so many different ways and it's not connected to, intelligence or social ability or, you know, any of these things. And I think another reason sometimes, um, you know, Tourette can be, again, misunderstood is because it almost always exists with another disorder as part of like that spectrum of disorders. So for instance, like I have OCD, most of the people I know with Tourette have some form of OCD. Um, It can also come along with autism, with different, with, with some, with social dysfunctions, um, sensory disorders, uh, things like that. So, you know, it's hard to kind of pick out sometimes which came first, the chicken or the egg. Like it might look like you have Tourette, but really you're just doing certain motions because of your OCD, if that makes sense, like touching things and doing things and tapping things. And, you know, maybe some people might think like, Oh, you know, I know this person with OCD and they're kind of, they have a lot of trouble like reading people's emotions and are not sensitive or they're like weird and they can never, you know, they're doing terrible in school. It's like, well, 
that could that's not related to the tribe, but it's probably related to they could also have a, the coinciding like executive dysfunction or you know what I mean. So yeah. Tourette is like a very specific thing that often comes coupled with Interesting. other things. Yeah, man. So has that affected your work at all? Like as you started, you know, your identity in the professional world. So fortunately, and I always say maybe I'd be like. I don't know, rich and famous, and because of my Tourette memoir, if I could have um, more terrible stories to share with you, it. I wish that I did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, fortunately, since it's always been relatively moderate, you know, even growing up, like kids would definitely make stupid comments like, or, what are you doing? Or why are you saying that? Or stop making that noise. But, you know, not to the severity. I feel like it's just as bad as like, uh, any one of us getting picked on for anything. You know what I mean? It yeah. was just sort of like my thing that, and I would just kind of make an excuse like, oh, there's just something in my throat. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's just something in my eye, you know, whatever. And you just kind of excuse it away because I'm not going to try to explain the intricacies and nuances of like a neurological imbalance to like a fucking 14 <laughs> yeah. year old. 14 so, years are so understanding though. Very like, understanding. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's been my experience too. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then fortunately, yeah, my work, I mean, um, it's especially that at that point, like now being a doll and people being more understanding, having more critical thinking skills and teenagers. Um, I've, I think the most I've ever, the most time I guess it's ever sort of been borderline. Like I just have to like kind of control it or think about it more is I work in live TV pretty often. And mm-hmm. so in that instance, like I have to find a way to control like my urge to make a noise or do something disruptive. Um, but other times I feel like I have a pretty good, handle on either oh well and what I was going to say earlier so it's kind of a misconception that Tourette is completely involuntary and I'm sure for people who have the more severe spectrum of Tourette um, I I think that they would classify it that way I think to them it feels or it virtually is involuntary because the urge is that I always mm-hmm. liken it to just like an itch right mm-hmm. but the itch is in your brain so for people who have it very severely the itch is so severe that then their reflex to scratch the itch probably feels involuntary because the itch is so strong and then the reaction to it is so quick if that makes sense but for yeah, me yeah. it's like a medium itch so it's like ugh, I don't want to scratch that itch right now I have to, you know it's going to be weird I don't want to make that sound right now I'm like mm-hmm. in public so you kind of just like it's itching and it's itching and it's itching and it's driving you crazy, but you can kind of make the choice to relieve the feeling by doing the tick. So it seems strange to think like, oh, but like people with Tourette are in a way, in a way, then describing it that way, it seems like, oh, but so you guys are like choosing to make these, you know, whatever noises or movements. And in a way, yes, but it's like after a certain point, you just you can't ignore it. It's like, you have to just satisfy it or find a way. Like sometimes I'll try to like tense a muscle or do something that almost like distracts my brain and feels like I'm satisfying another sort Mm -hmm. of itch. And then until I can go maybe to the bathroom or something and sort of release the more like socially unacceptable. So for you, that itch never, it it doesn't go away until you satisfy it. And with one of your ticks. Exactly. And and sometimes, you know, again, that's where it comes like the waxing and waning. Sometimes I can control it pretty well or just find more subtle ways to sort of like tick. Um, and sometimes it's pretty, 
it's a lot more noticeable to the point where it's been recently over the past year, a lot worse than it has been in a long time. And I'm not really sure why that is. I'm like trying to point to, I don't mm. feel necessarily more stressed out or whatever, but, um, you know, there've been a couple of times where I just even mentioned to my coworkers, like, I'm really sorry if I've been taking lately, if it's annoying, like you a hundred percent can tell me like go outside and take for a minute or whatever. And obviously, you know, everyone's always very nice about it, but, um, but yeah, that's the other thing I think that it's kind of the, the like unknown underlying, I guess, thing that people with Tourette are dealing with. Cause obviously everybody can see the ticks that are manifesting themselves in movements and in sounds and how that can be, you know, as annoying and distracting it is to people around me, which I'm sure it is, it's equally annoying and distracting and like frustrating to me. And then in addition to that, the things that people can't see is that people with Tourette, like I described it as an itch. So 24 seven, that itch is in my brain in one way or another and at at some different varying level. And so whatever I'm doing, I'm first having to sort of rise above cognitively that like Mm -hmm. constant, like crackle, like static in my brain, if that makes sense. And so it is, you kind of have to train yourself. Like it's easy to get distracted. I've always said like, I think it's possible that I could have some form of ADHD undiagnosed because I would have a lot of trouble. I always did very well in school, but I always kind of had to go home and teach myself in a lot of times because I did have trouble absorbing information during school. So is that though something ADHD or is it just because I was distracted by my threat? You know, it's like you never, it's kind of a jumble of who knows what's causing what, but you know. God, we're so complicated. We have so many, there's so, <laughs> so many yeah, things. going on in like, my brain. I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it's so cool to hear some, like, hear your analogy to describe mm-hmm. it because I always knew very little about Tourette and to just know the feelings that go behind it is, I don't know, it's yeah. cool. It seems like the wrong word because it sounds like it could be maddening, but... <laughs> It's great that no, you're willing I to talk even. about it. Yeah. And you, yeah. you tour, tour, is that the right word? You speak all over the country about it. I mean, I wish I spoke more. That's very generous. I wish I could uh, speak more places. I wish if I could fucking, again, I'm just going to start lying and saying that somehow, <laughs> I don't know, someone close to me was murdered because I have Tourette. I'm just going to start <laughs> some like a chain of events where you go to Boca. <laughs> 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 And people will be like, oh, my God, whatever. I don't know. Or just like, I don't know. Um, uh, I'm like thinking of other things to say. Like, Mm -hmm. don't say it, Chelsea. You're going to manifest it. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. uh, Since I don't know something really tragic. No, but I do. So, yes, I speak um, often. I'm I'm speaking this year, actually, at the Tret Association, the National Association's national conference that they have every two years um, in Virginia. So I've spoken a couple times in the past. I'm going down to speak again this year. And then anytime someone in um, the city asks, contacts our chapter, which I mean, I wish was more often. And sometimes we're also trying to do outreach just to make sure people know that the program is available. Um, Myself or someone else from our chapter will go into uh, a school, a local New York City school with a child that has Tourette to either speak for, you know, free of charge as a service from our New York City chapter Mm -hmm. to educate either like if it's the students maybe that need, you know, to learn about a classmate having Tourette so they can understand it more or whether it be a teacher or administrator. 
Um, so yeah. And I've done like a few other things I did. I went to like speak at another charities, uh, event in Florida once and you know, whatever, a couple other things like that. But Hey guys listening. If anyone wants me to speak about Tret at your yeah, school yeah, that shit. or bar mitzvah, <laughs> yes, let's speak. Do it. I wish I could go back in time and speak on my bar mitzvah. Yes. <laughs> I Please. mean, I would still be there. <laughs> One speaker. I'd bring Miranda Hobbs. <laughs> Please. And- you all can time travel. <laughs> I allow it. I allow it. Um, I That's so interesting. I love that about you. And you, it's you're so good at talking about it, yes, too. Yes, it's like, so clear. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's really well, interesting. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about it. I feel like I'm just, I don't know, giving a podcast seminar here. So oh, cut me you. off. Well, I would I'm like to do more. No, we're not. We're not. We, there's so much to cover with you. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, so let's talk about your uh, producing and TV and and comedy and. Yeah, tell the folks where you work and what you do. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, I'm a freelance producer and writer, and so I most often work for the Viacom Network, so MTV and VH1. Um, Probably right now I'm just coming off of working on a VH1 show that I don't know how much I can talk about, but it'll be out in April. Mm. And um, the most notable thing probably that anyone listening would know of is I was um, a producer and writer on all four seasons of Girl Code on MTV. Yeah. And so that the show that's on VH1 that's going to be coming later in the spring is sort of in the same vein of that show, I'll say. It's like the same format, same kind of style. Ooh, something um, Code? Is yeah. It- it's, something, it's not Something Code, um, but it's it's kind of dealing with well i mean whatever i i feel like they'll do promise too but it's kind of it's like a show about being in your 30s it's oh, kind of oh, like nice. in like a girl code guy code like Ooh. sort of style um sort of be coming soon and then yeah and then yeah i want that i would topical watch. i'm, for in, I'm all into that. that i like that i like that so look out for that um mm-hmm. and then my very first job when i moved here after the internship and everything um i worked for about two and a half years at TRL but not like the cool Carson Daly years. It was like the <laughs> whatever Black Eyed Peas, Damien <laughs> Fahey years, which no shade uh, to either. Oh, we know Damien Fahey. Fahey. We do. We know <laughs> God, I adore him. Actually, now this is making me think like I need to just immediately email him and say hi after this because I haven't talked to yeah. him forever. But yeah, so do you guys know Damien from yeah. his comedy and stuff now out in LA? Yeah, yeah. And he works uh, with a with I a bunch him. of my friends on Family Guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, keep, I was forgetting he works for Family Guy. Yeah. Damien is is so awesome. He one time, so when I was kind of like wrapping up at TRL and, you know, at different times he'd ask me like what I want to do or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm like, I really want to be like a host like you. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm doing stand up right now and doing some other things. He's like, oh, my God, I always want to try stand up. Can I pick your brain about that sometimes? And he legit like we like had Aww. a phone conversation. He's like asking me about stand up and stuff. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Love like, it. I'm like a 23 year old dumbass. You're hosting TRL. I think you're going to be fine. But yeah, he's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, totally. He's a good dude. Um, which is nice. I'm glad we're like. I like talking about nice, but I also want to hear, like, do you have any, like, TRL stories? Yeah, please tell us TRL (laughs) stories. (laughs) Give us some hot goss. Well, 
I, again, just like I wish that some tragedy had befallen me because of my Tourette so I could be a world-renowned keynote speaker, I mm -hmm. wish I had more crazy, juicy Terrell No More stories, but here's what I got for you. So um, <laughs> the thing that always, I guess, comes to mind is, and this isn't, as, I mean, I guess it really is him being an asshole or maybe just, I mean, being him and being crazy, but so... Um, when Eminem was, I mean, not quite like yes, his peak, yeah. peak Eminem. In, in. <laughs> Wait, what was the hot? Was not it like peak Eminem? Was it like was purple like, so, pills Eminem? Like where, where like, were we here? It was like, so I worked on TRL from 2005 to 2007. Okay. So it was like sort of what would that have been? Like the Eminem show years? Or was oh. that something like that? Or would that still have been like, I don't know. We'll have to it's like, so. I feel ashamed. I feel like ashamed. Past Slim Shady, like the last of the singles of but that. But before the Marshall Mathers It would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It would have been, it would have been like, uh, I feel like mm -hmm. Mockingbird we'll get there. was on the countdown a lot. And like yeah. whatever that album was. So, um, all, okay. So that was, so Eminem was on the show. Also, mm -hmm. Um, harken back, if you will, to when Xbox well, first came out, like mm -hmm. ever in whatever year that would have been, like 2006. Um, and we were giving it away to the audience. And it was, I mean, a huge fucking deal. And me is, I mean, I'm just, again, remember, this is why I don't have all the juicy gossip, because I'm just like the little production assistant, which we were a very small team. And so even as a little entry level PA, yeah, they, I got to do a lot of cool stuff because it was like double-edged sword it was like oh my god you're letting me basically produce stuff in the edit and like handle big time shit That's oh awesome. because you just still don't want to pay me garbage okay right. okay. <laughs> okay well mutually beneficial i guess yeah so um so it was my job as one of the pas to be in charge of the giveaways and it's a huge deal because i mean xbox is so expensive and it's like everyone's trying to get one everyone wants to like hey do you guys have any more for like my grandma's sister and you're like no like we who <laughs> your like, grandma's sister main... is cool though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she should get one grandma's sister is like way into gaming um, <laughs> so it was like major lockdown it was crazy things and we i mean sometimes would barely have enough for the audience because we'd get a certain amount and mm -hmm. then, you know, but if an executive is like, give me an Xbox for my kid, like you're not, you can't say no. So it was like mm -hmm. huge lockdown, crazy situation on the fucking Xboxes. So I'm standing backstage and I'm like helping guard them. And there's a few <laughs> on a little rolly card that like, you know, whoever, which of the hosts or whoever would like roll out and be like, everyone gets an Xbox. Mm -hmm. So Eminem is backstage is waiting to go on. Fucking Eminem. <laughs> and I look over and he's leaned over the cart <laughs> hugging one of the Xboxes. <laughs> and Eminem he's like, I'm not, I'm not going out. I'm not going out till you give me one. And we're like, what? You can <laughs> afford an Xbox. One. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I feel like the richer and more famous people are, the more they just think like, but you should give me this. Like yeah. they're in yeah. sense that they wouldn't just be given something. That makes sense. And so he's just like making a big scene. It's literally getting down to the wire. Where, like his segment is approaching us within like minutes, within seconds. And he's like, I will not go out there. I'm 
hugging this Xbox. I'm staying here until you tell me I can take it. And we're like, <laughs> no, no, Mr. Eminem. Like, you're like, this is my you life. You cannot take one. So finally, and this is, I mean, I don't know how funny it'll be like not knowing him, but his name alone is hopefully sort of adds comedic value. So um, the like supervising producer, like like main, main bitch in charge there back in my day of TRL, uh, was a guy named Rob Dixter, and yeah. he had a turtle. He wore a turtleneck and big tortoiseshell glasses almost every day, and he was super <laughs> deadpan. And it was incredible to think like this is the guy that's making TRL happen, and like <laughs> looks like that and talks like this, and is just like literally in a morning meeting one time was like, okay, today on the show um, we have Shamillionaire, and we're like, I think it's Chameleon. Never mind, Dixter, it's fine. So Shamillionaire. So anyways, finally, he's like, who's in charge? Who's in charge? You guys are in charge. Who's in charge? And we're like, okay, yeah, well, Dixter's in charge. He's in the control room here. Put on my headset. (laughs) We're like, we're just going to pass the buck straight to Dixter. So we give Eminem the headset, one of the the headsets. And he's like, Dixter, Dixter. They won't let me take the Xbox. And like, I mean, finally, we just had to give him a fucking Xbox. Jesus, wow. what a little Isn't baby. Wow. Oh, but no. at least, at least he like wanted something a little bit more substantial. Similar situation also happened with P. Diddy, but all he was trying to get <laughs> was a copy of Bow Wow's uh, roll bounce on DVD. If you Stop. remember that movie, that was a movie about roller skating, wasn't it? Yes. Starring Bow Wow. He like, was like, "This is the hill daddy, I die on." Can't you? What? A DVD so is puppy. ten to sixteen dollars. He literally came over to me and cornered me and was like, "Do I get one of these?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> Why? What's happening? (laughs) And similar, it was the same day we were giving out like a couple DVDs and a some NBA um, Xbox game or PlayStation game or something like that. And he was asking for one of those too. And I was Mm -hmm. like, no, no, no. And trying to be polite and trying to explain, like we only have enough for the audience, you know, whatever. And he was getting kind of like not necessarily agitated, but just like, oh, come on, come on. And then he went out during his segment when they were giving it away and they had him like holding one up to the audience to be like, this is what you get. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as he's leaving, um, you know, we told him he has to give it back after <laughs> he did not, he left with it, but here's Genius. where the jokes on Diddy. Uh, I gave him one that didn't have one in it. So Boom. I was so hoping it was just a display <laughs> item. It was just a display item. Sorry, mm-hmm. Diddy. You're not a God. Sir. So yeah. <laughs> Mostly just You are a sir, but you're not a guy. You're brought down. <laughs> <laughs> so mostly just oh as celebrities like wanting free shit. That's and you're just so like, funny. I I so don't funny. know what's going on. Oh my god. That's it. Yeah, no one like spit in my face or anything, unfortunately. No. Jeremy Piven was banned for being an asshole to one of our producers. Yeah. But that's like unsurprising. Was that yeah. pre or post plugs? I mean, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> oh man. Well, we have one question that we always ask to all of our guests. Yeah, we are going to have to wrap it up soon. 
you should be a two-parter because we have so we have so much like, more so much to ask. More to yes. ask you. I'm here anytime. I'm just taking care of cats and heat. That's all I do. <laughs> all right, perfect. I'm always here. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, to to just wind down. Uh, if you were to give advice to um just women and young women coming up in your field, and whether it be comedy. Or young girls that may have Tourette that don't know how to deal with it. Just what's what's a piece of advice you would give to um, young women? Yeah, it can be as specific or as broad as you want. Well, first I would say make a documentary about women. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm writing this down. Broad. Where's so, my pad? <laughs> just in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean... I guess a couple of things come to mind. I feel like I said this on another podcast recently, but that's fine. Nobody listens to both of these podcasts at the same time, I'm sure. And they'll forget. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess what I said earlier, just in like when I was growing up, I used to have this idea that just not that I necessarily didn't believe in myself or didn't think I could like do shit, but I just had this notion that kind of like really, really cool creative things or performing things were just things that these magical special people did and and then as you know you get older you realize oh no just any fucking asshole who tries long enough and you Mm -hmm. know is like hopefully a relatively nice person uh can do whatever so i guess the nugget of that is really trite because it's like believe in yourself and do whatever you want but i think just the idea just the revelation that like there aren't these anointed sort of like people with fairy dust that, or not everybody who's just like the very best or did it the right way gets to like do cool shit and be successful. You know, it's just having passion about whatever you're passionate about and just going at it until you get it. Um, And then also my personal mantra, nobody is thinking about you right now, which is what I say to myself yes. when I have intense anxiety about all it. the stuff I'm putting yes. out in the world I and all the creative it. things. And, you know, or Ellen Goosenberg, Ken and Rob Dixter are going to sue me for telling their stories <laughs> on this podcast. We'll never know. Our vast uh, but pretty sure that if you, at any given moment, if you tell yourself no one is thinking about you, it will be true because you're the only one worrying about those things and no one else gives a shit. Mm-hmm. That's, That's the best advice true. I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. No one's thinking about you. No, no. one's thinking about you right now. Oh, I wish yeah. men would think about that more. Seriously. <laughs> God. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I know. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Chelsea, it's been a well, real thank pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. I feel thank like you, you ladies so much. Broaden yeah. my mind. Yeah. About I mean. so many things, including Marshall Mathers. I know. <laughs> I know. God, don't trust celebrities. No, they they're going to take your shit. shit. They just, all they want is your shit. Yeah. 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 Goddamn celebrities. Oh, my God. Uh, P. Diddy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. They're the people that are going to sue me. Hey, <laughs> nah. P. Diddy, Marshall Mathers, <laughs> you're great people. Um, I respect you. That was my This is yeah, going to smooth it all over. Yes. Yeah. Someone was like typing up a cease and desist letter right now. And then they're like, I oh, never it. mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> never mind. Like, it, just, it just vanished. They're no longer thinking about so, you. It's good. Crisis averted. <laughs> Ladies, yeah. thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. On. I'm going to bring you a bottle of wine when I yes, get there. I'll accept it. it. Perfect. Great. Awesome. All right. Um, all right. We're going to sign off. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, guys. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. <laughs>